probably uh, dozens of times and the music was then stamped uh, with this sort of pedigree that it was funereal in association. Now it's been played at lots of other big national memorial services, the memorial service for the Challenger, astronauts mm-hmm. who were killed, the service for the victims of the, the Oklahoma City bombing, um, dozens probably of memorial services for the victims of 9-11. It was also used recently in a movie. Oliver Stone used it as part of the score for his movie Platoon, a very different setting. How did the music work in that? That movie's so filled with, uh, you know, wartime violence. Back down! Back down there! Well, the, the music becomes, as with any good film, really part of the texture of the whole. Scholars call this use of music and image together. They call it a sound image in which you see an image, you hear music, and you also hear the ambient noise of whatever's going on in the scene. And in Platoon, the adagio just saturates the film along with the sort of the story of the, the fighting against the Viet Cong, but more importantly, within the platoon itself. And then you also get this other layer of the helicopters and the gunships and the arguments and the men screaming and the bombs going off and the radio dispatches. It's just an incredibly layered film. And the adagio does this service of in a sense, boldly contrasting some of the film images. It sounds like the the film is actually grieving the war as we're watching film clips of the war itself. about this is that Barbara wrote what has become one of the saddest pieces of music ever written at what must have been a very happy time during his life. He was 26 years old. He was in love. He was vacationing in Europe with the love of his life. Mm -hmm. Where did the sadness come from? Where did the sadness come from? It's a great conundrum. You know, a poet friend of mine once told me that the thing about artists is not so much they need to be in a state of feeling. But they need to have, in order to produce good work, but they need to have access to feeling. He said, interestingly, that he understood that what had probably happened to Barber was that he, he reached a state of contentment and he could access that deep emotion that was in him. He was a melancholic and very serious guy. But it took a kind of a contentment, a balance, a stability in his life for him to be able to go there. In other words, I think it's a myth that artists have to be wildly happy in order to write wildly happy music. Certainly we know stories about Beethoven and composition of some of his greatest pieces which he wrote counterintuitively, you know, times when he was in the deepest despair. He also produced some very joyful music, such as the Ninth Symphony. How does the piece work? What is it that Barber did as a composer to make the adagio so expressive of grief and sorrow? Someone once commented on the adagio that it sounds like a piece of music that 
could have been written in any of the previous five centuries. And what that basically means is that it sounds kind of medieval in spots because it, it uses a kind of a chant, uh, the repetition of a chant-like melody, which repeats itself in full three times. And yet there is a kind of romantic sound to the, the inner voices between the strings. Of course, with the orchestra, you have five different uh, levels of, of, of string players. There's also the harmony is, I think of as modern, because it is very lush. It's not a harmony that anyone, uh, Brahms might have used those kinds of harmonies, but no one before Brahms. But then it has this sort of unresolved quality to it that Barber amplifies in the piece. So it often sounds to people, and I think this is its treasured aspect, it sounds so primal to the species.